0: How is the dog, by the way?
2: The new puppy is incredible. Like, kind of. I'm really excited to get him in the field. Like today, showing
1: I'm, a little bit of sense to himself.
2: I've never thrown anything to him to catch. He first of all yeah. at eight at eight weeks, I threw a dummy thirty yards, and he waddled out there, got it, brought it back to my hand, and dropped it in my hand. I mean. Not bad. Like I, I taught him nothing about retrieving, really. But just today, he when the, when I get ice, the ice maker is his, uh, like that's the ultimate way to find out where the dog is, is hit the ice maker because the puppy's coming, right? And I took, a, <laughs> I took a piece of ice and chucked it at him like eight feet away, and he just went like this and went and caught it. Like didn't, he was sitting down, never stood up, never got excited. He's just that super mellow, super intelligent lab that hopefully I don't screw up as far as uh, he doesn't have a lot of energy. like he would never be a field trial champion because you right. throw you throw the dummy six, eight times for him right now at four months, and then he just lays down and rolls over and wants you to scratch his belly. He's not super energetic, but I like that in a house dog,
1: yeah um. You want to tell all the viewers about you becoming an old man with your bifocals?
2: Yeah, so I just, I just today, I actually at the Total Archery Challenge in uh, Glenwood Springs, whenever that was, I think like July 9th, so maybe 20 days ago. I lost my prescription glasses up on the mountain. I didn't realize it until, you know, it was like one of those, they're gone, I have no idea where I lost them across this mountain i right, have right. been walking on for four and a half hours. But when I went back, I told the doctor I wasn't happy with my prescription. So he did the whole checkup thing again and decided that I needed bifocals. And I got them like 45 minutes ago. Like I, I, And adjusting to two different focal points is kind of kicking my ass right now. Yeah, so it's a total archery challenge in Glenwood Springs. Three weeks ago, I lost my glasses up on the mountain and... Uh, So I've been wearing Walgreens readers because I literally, like, I can't see my phone without some kind of help. And I Mm. went back and I told the doctor when I went to tell him I needed new glasses that I didn't like my last prescription. So he retested me and now I'm officially in uh, bifocals. I've had them for about 45 minutes or an hour maybe. And the focal point thing, if I go like this and lean my nose way up in the air, the
1: like an old man needs to look down his nose at someone. Yes.
2: Yeah, very much. Or you you start putting them out here on the edge of your nose like this. I'm definitely I'm definitely getting old. I did go launch one arrow though and I can see well, good. my my that's bow good. sights and everything. Are I'm you hunting there, anything so this that's fall good. with a
0: bow? Yeah. Yeah. Two antelope. Three
2: mule deer, a white tail, and Colorado elk. Oh,
1: so just just a few things.
0: Here's the deal. Are you planning to and work really for cool Blood Stories? Origins at all this fall? Well, yeah, I could do that from the field. One uh, one of those was a draw. Everything else over the counter. I got smoked in the Colorado draw this year. Um. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, you pulled and a bunch, so, didn't you? When you say smoke, you mean a bunch you pulled a bunch. No, 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 no. I got nothing. Mm. I got zero in mm. the Colorado draw.
2: Luckily, uh, it's uh, over the. You can over the counter elk hunt in about sixty some units, and then a majority of the state you can over the counter antelope archery. Um, so, and then Nebraska, Idaho, and Arizona for and then I'll go to Kansas and shoot a whitetail because I can always shoot a whitetail in Kansas because I have a lifetime license there.
1: Right, right. Well, awesome, man. Well, uh, let's get into it because I don't think this roundup is going to be a very long one today. been very quiet in the hunting world this past week. Uh, we do have a couple of cool articles to discuss, but before we do, given that this podcast will drop in the August timeframe, Congratulations to all the July Supporters Program winners. Uh, We would have probably announced who these winners are by Monday. But we obviously have a new slate of things that we are giving away in August. And I have the list here. Um, Following our traditions in July, we have a bunch of art that we're giving away. A guy called Frank Cole, who is in Wyoming, does this beautiful like metal artwork. And... um, Again, it's like $1,000 for one of his pieces, and he's giving one of his pieces away. A lady called Chelsea Handler is giving a phenomenal piece of art, an original piece of art that has a great um, story behind it. It's like this old man and a mule deer, and it was the grandfather, and she's connected with uh, the mom and the nephew, and she's got the whole background to the art piece, which is amazing. Uh, We have a brand-new Gunner Kettle and um the gunner kennel is uh, a special edition gunner kennel so we're excited about that nexus arrows and broadheads a dozen nexus arrows and broadheads and the broadheads being Ozcut. we have the veteran hunters of australia they've got a swag pack up for grabs again uh, do roses one of our favorite t-shirt manufacturers has graciously given us a t-shirt or two we have our duck dens uh cayuga broadheads another broadhead company out of australia Who, by the way, is a new conservation club member? Uh, Mountain taxidermy. There's a big swag pack associated with them, and then Eberly Stock has a a vapor pack F25. Those new lightweight F25s just perfect and ready for hunting season. You mentioned Dew Roses there, and you know
2: when you uh, flip through the reels on uh, Instagram, it's not like it's it's not people that you follow. Right, it's like it's just popular reels or reels that I think maybe Instagram's algorithm thinks you might like. Yeah, uh, Do Rose's Instagram reels are incredible. It's like, <laughs> yeah, he
0: is. He's really they're, good.
2: They're gardening and then hunting and then amazed by some tomatoes and then talking about product and then no, it's it's a
0: and then turkey and,
1: tacos or something like that.
2: Right, right, and I'm admitting. I didn't know it it wasn't intentional but I wasn't following them but Instagram pushed their reels to me so now I am following them and and catch all their content great uh, great guy there
1: uh, what else we've all, you know smile.amazon.com. we constantly talk about that uh, get in on it help us out uh, you can select Blood origins as the um, as your charity of choice
2: do you have an announcement I'm putting you on the spot here are you ready I'm ready do you have a Announcement of a date for the
0: announcement of our next project? Ooh, it's going to be in August. The, um, yeah, it's a good thing. Maybe we
1: should announce the next project in the first week of August or something like that. Um, yeah, they're actually filming. Fully funded, by the Fully the way. funded already, F- and F- full, actually the guys are in the funded. field filming. As we speak,
2: right. I'm, d- I'm just saying fully funded because all of you listening are just going to be able to enjoy this project and not uh, not uh, put on your work belts and help us figure out how to pay for it because we got it done already. So exactly. it's just going to be a just a project launching instead of a fundraiser for a project launching. That's right. That's right. That's right.
1: The next project after that will be a fundraising project. So, um, so yeah, uh, good stuff. Uh, the guys that are in the field right now filming are capturing some amazing content. I've been. They've been sending me snippets, and uh, I'm quite jealous not having to be there. Uh, no, I'm actually jealous that I'm not there, not, ha- not, not having to be there. Didn't make any sense.
2: No, it doesn't make any sense the way you said it at all.
1: Thanks. Appreciate that. We
2: still don't know if you want to be there or not. No one knows if you want to be I there. I do want to be there, but I'm jealous that I'm not. Right. Make sense? Yes. I think. Now it does. Before, complete gibberish, but yes, now it makes sense. <laughs>
1: All right. As we said, quiet week in conservation, quiet week in hunting. We do have a couple of articles and one of them I'm going to start with is made me a little jealous. It almost made me text you and say, how can we get in on this? Um, which is an article by Conservation Namibia, which is, can we take the Angolan giraffe back to Angola? You know anything about the Angolan giraffe, Cody?
2: Um, I know what giraffes are. And I'm aware that there is a country called Angola. Um, so that's the extent. Are they any different than in the? Because they're a subspecies of the southern. Is that correct?
1: That is correct. You 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 read
2: that very let's do very this well. For a second. Since it's a slow week, let's do this real quick. What does subspecies mean? And if if you took the Angolan giraffe. In a non angolan southern giraffe, and you took DNA samples from them, would you would someone know which one was which? Are no, they
1: different? They are not genetically different. If they were genetically different, they would be different species.
2: So why what
1: why are what's a subspecies? So a subspecies typically has some phenotypic traits that make it look act, function just a little differently than the other substances. Do you, do
2: you think any of our listeners or myself know what the hell phenotypic
1: means? Can you explain phenotypic? The so phenotypic is physical appearance. So, when scientists talk about a genotype or a phenotype, a genotype is the genetic part of the animal. The phenotype is the physical expression of those genetics.
2: So, so the, the Kroger's... And the Haidmits are both Homo sapiens, humans, but maybe the the Heichmanns are a little taller
1: than the Krogers. I'm not. I'm not let me, let me, let me short. I'm just. <laughs> let me give you a better example. So I, let me give you a better example.
0: Okay.
1: Um. A. A sector of humans that live at high altitudes, like in Peru or chili that are constantly at 12,000 13,000 ft elevation and you look at their um their lung capacity their ability to hold hemoglobin um maybe the way they as you said some of their statures their physical attributes are different than
0: someone who sure. lives in the the congo jungles right the pygmies of the congo jungle they're both humans
1: But you could say that they are very different in terms of their physical appearance.
2: Here's why I ask. This wasn't just a blatant dumbass question. I sometimes suspect animal rights people, and it's happening right now, and I'm searching and trying to remember where, oh, Southeast Alaska. They're trying to get the wolf in Southeast Alaska listed as an endangered species. And so that's the southeastern Alaska subspecies. Mm. Mm. And is there a, it it seems to me like that's a ploy. Is the southeastern gray wolf in Alaska different than the midwestern gray wolf in Alaska? Now, if they said in this certain geography, which happens all the time, that's what state managed, that's why we have game management units, right? Right. If they said in this game management unit of Alaska, which is a Colorado phrase, I don't know if that's an Alaska phrase, game management units, but we need to harvest less wolves because of some set of conditions, but it seems to me that because the ESA is wrapped around species, they sometimes create these subspecies that really aren't a subspecies. Like the wolf in Alaska is not in peril, but if they break it out into the southeastern Alaska subspecies, they can attempt to put it on the ESA. Am I being a conspiracy theorist there and crazy?
1: No, because hunters do the same thing. As soon as you can classify a subspecies of a certain animal, that's another checkbox, right? It's different. Sure. Sure. Another... it's darker. It's got, it's got a different characteristic set of the way that the horns sweep or the horns grow. or But it's, you know, so you look at all the different subspecies of, you know, you've got the Lord Derby Eland, you've got the Livingston's Eland, you've got the Cape Eland. Those are distinct different species of Eland. I believe they are. Different species or
2: different subspecies? Oh, that is a good It question. doesn't, we don't have to get into it. No, no. I, I just, my, my whole point is, my whole point in asking was just, um, I, I, I don't know, it, it confuses me. I'll tell you what still confuses me is the blacktail to mule deer and coos deer to whitetail.
1: They're tail. different species. They're not, they're not subspecies, different species. Coos, coos deer to whitetail? Coos deer is a different species than a whitetail.
0: Okay.
2: I thought at one time they were subspecies. No, did I, make, did I get that wrong? I don't know. Let's go back to the Angolan giraffe. I took us down a trail where I don't know what I'm talking about, and I really don't like that situation.
1: So it, it's a cool project, right? That's the thing. So what they're trying to do is they're trying to say, okay, look, Angola has been war ravaged for so long, it's, and it's now coming back from, from that war. 2002, the war ended. Technically, the war ended in 2002. Um, but now they're like, hey, can we start putting some animals back in certain national parks in, in Angola? The thing that hit me the most about this is that Angola used to have phenomenal wildlife. You ask the guys that used to hunt back in the day, Angola used to be like the mecca
0: of giant sable, a different species right. of sable. And if you look at Angola on a map, Angola is
1: massive. Like, that's what blew me away. I didn't realize how big Angola was. Angola is absolutely enormous. Um, but what was cool about this article is they did a bunch of science, and they looked at uh, home ranges of giraffe, and they looked at vegetation to see whether or not it would be possible to translocate a couple of giraffe out of Namibia. Um, I don't know if they said how many they were going to do, but it was more based on the science to, a scientific study. And they found that the, the vegetation actually is a lot healthier in Angola than it was actually in Namibia. So the, the point of the study was that they determined, with you know, feasibility, that there's no doubt that if we were going to translocate some of these southern giraffes that occur in Namibia, that they would be they could flourish, obviously with some wildlife protection in place, anti-poaching in place they would be able to flourish in this new national park. I own a national park. Seems like a great idea. And so immediately I was like, how do we? How can we get involved, right? How can we, right. let's get some giraffes and let's move them.
2: I'm game. I mean, you figure out how to do it. That seems like a blast to me. I want to go over and help. So yeah. I still, cool I, I, I still am trying to wrap my head around, if you take giraffes out of Namibia and put them in Angola, do they become the Angolan subspecies of southern giraffe?
1: Yes and no. Ah, this is,
2: See, I think sometimes scientists just make shit up and then they say well, it. And we're, this, this, and in,
1: scientists, uh, in science terminology, there are lumpers and there are splitters. People that like to lump things yes. together, and then there's others that like to split them out.
0: Right. One snake that lives on
1: one side of the mountain range and another snake that lives on the other side, technically the same species, but split because they've been geographically separated for a thousand years.
2: Yeah. No, I don't buy it. I think they're still the same snake.
1: <laughs> oh, they are certainly the same snake. Um, all right. There was quite a scary little uh, article coming out of um, Florida, Mr. Chuck O'Neill. Did you see that? I did. It's, um... So, Chuck O'Neill wants yeah. to put a. Rights of nature. Rights of nature in place. And the amendments are aimed at protecting wetlands, waterways, and preventing hunting of iconic species like the Florida black bear, which suggests a bunch of other species. Probably, um, you know, they would also prohibit captive hunting and toll roads through conservation in rural lands, which tells you that there's a, maybe a little bit of a political agenda here to get some money for private contractors to put roads and stuff in. So. Right. But essentially, this could be the end of, you know, Florida had that one bear season. They opened it up within 24 hours. They shut it down because they hit the quota. Bear populations in Florida are burgeoning. Uh, Very, very healthy bear population in Florida right now. But if this goes through, you're essentially kissing goodbye to any potential bear hunt again in in, in the future of Florida. I don't like that. I just don't like the terminology of.
2: There's a quote in there that says our waterways have rights. And I'm in full, you know, and then he's also implying that, you know, that the land Mm -hmm. has rights,
0: Mm
1: -hmm.
2: right? And, And he doesn't
1: believe that regulation is the way, right? He says that regulation has led to environmental destruction instead of what it was supposed to do, which is protect the environment.
2: Yeah. He says something about, we don't have a system of, Environmental protection. We have an, a system of regulated environmental destruction. Um,
1: yeah, we have a we have a system of basically abusing the environment at a regulated rate.
2: Right. I I I don't. Uh, I'm a. Uh, if the word environmentalist wasn't such a you know didn't have such a tinge to it or such a slanted tainted thing when it comes off your mouth. I mean, I I think I'm an environmentalist. You know, I. Uh, but to go and say that the waterways have rights, um, you know, what does that lead to? Do we, can we still use them at all if they have rights? Do we, and they're not really going to have rights. They're going to get assigned what he deems are their rights or what the legislature or whoever deems are their rights. Um, I just think, I think it's so easy to take something that at 30,000 feet looks like good intentions and then disguise a bunch of initiatives and agendas underneath it. And that's the way telling me that a river has a right feels to me is you, you've got something else going in the back of your brain.
0: Um, and really we can do it with regulation, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we don't, uh, Yeah. I I don't I don't know. It's weird because I, I want
2: the rivers to be taken care of. I wish that unless it was absolutely necessary, there wasn't toll roads going through conservation areas. Like I'm, I'm you know. But at the same time, if people need to get over there, and that's the best way to do it, we need to think oh, about doing it. some
1: of those tolls instead right? of. You know, purely being a privately funded road and yes, there's some maintenance associated with the road, but it's also a business. Could some of those tolls be used for conservation purposes?
2: Right, exactly. There's, there's, there's better ways to do it than to try and tear down the entire system um, and give farm ponds a bill of rights. I, I think that's a weird, uh, weird statement.
1: Um, we have two more Two more African pieces come up. Uh, obviously, we have the, the current Department of Interior's appropriations bill that is making its way through the House right now. And there is a section in there called 436. Uh, big shout out to Republican Jeff Duncan out of South Carolina uh, for the one who has put it on the floor for discussion to actually strike that entire section of the Department of Interior's appropriations bill. And the reason he wanted to strike it is because that specific section of the bill states that uh, it bans the Fish and Wildlife Service from working on any permits uh, that are import permits tied to lions and elephants out of Tanzania, Zambia, and Zimbabwe. Which is just a way for them to get the CECIL Act that they've been fighting for for so long. Through Congress, essentially, by just creating a little bit of a rider on an appropriations bill, just like this one. Um How can they pick, why are they picking three countries? Because the most uh lion and elephant are coming out of, well, you know, Botswana is now online, but the most lion and elephant
0: imports are coming out of those three countries. But how can you be, I, I, that part of it irked me when I read it, that, you know,
2: Again, I, my conspiracy brain starts working, and there's some kind of, I mean, why didn't, why didn't you ban all of them? But it, uh, we got to try and get the people that write these bills on mm-hmm. here harder. I, I don't know how, I, and I'm not saying we're not trying, but I so bad want to just say to them right. why.
1: Well, they're not going to give you an answer, you know, though, if we why had did you here, put? They wouldn't give us an answer
2: yeah but i just wanted on record of me asking them and then noting that they're not giving me an answer i know i i know it's a pipe dream it's not going to happen but but we've got to keep why why are you doing that and and uh, so yeah hopefully the
1: sci, yeah, SCI and, is doing a phenomenal job those that as are against, it relates to that their, their government their government affairs team is is really on the ball and is pushing really hard where they can. There's letters that are coming out of, of Zim, there's letters coming out of Zambia, of the governmental ambassadors, essentially. And if it gets to a point, I know that they've even pulled strings that the ambassador that's in DC from those specific countries go take, you know, makes a, a couple of visits on, on, on the Capitol Hill.
2: I just want to ask him. I mean, it's the same old, it's the same old thought process in my head. Is what What are you thinking? And more importantly, why do you think you have the right to to meddle? Like there, you can't make any claim that that's hurting the United States, right? Like, you know, I can. There's there's a difference between outlawing the import of heroin from Afghanistan, and it absolutely Afghanistan would have a better culture a better economy, because that's a lot of their economy. But that, that, that has a negative effect on the United States. This one is just imposing your will on... on and, and the really shitty part is it's on countries that can't really impose well, their will Well, they've also got back, the
1: science, right? It's right? Fish and I mean, Wildlife Service should be looking at the science to yeah. determine whether or not... And, and that's the, the whole point of CITES and non-detrimental findings, your NDFs to explain how by taking the set quota in the set area, you're not really having a detrimental impact on the population. And that's what Fish and Wildlife Service wants to see based on Endangered Species Act. End of story. Leave it at that. Agreed. Well, it looks like that uh, Canada is now jumping on the bandwagon as well. Because Canada has now launched a consultation on stricter measures for elephant ivory trade. And it's funny that they actually use that, that terminology because the trade in elephant ivory is illegal. Like you can't trade in ivory, okay, number one. Right, I know. Um, and the way that this article starts uh, is what's... amazing in that it says, here in Canada and around the world, biodiversity is declining at unprecedented rates. And so then they get into the whole like trade on elephant ivory under the convention of CITES and a permitting systems for import, exports, and re-exports. And it just bothers me because these guys just, you know, number one, in areas like Botswana, Zimbabwe, where your elephant population is burgeoning, Namibia, biodiversity is absolutely declining as a result of an overpopulation of elephants.
2: Right, right, right. And, and, and in all of those places, with Botswana even coming online, there's zero doubt, like, We have there, it's a fact
0: that hunter dollars are conserving ecosystems, or, or I mean, and whether
2: you like the hunting or not, that those lands that are that the hunter dollars are keeping from being developed, whether it's, whether it's housing or it's just agriculture or it's animal agriculture, there that's not happening there. Because that land is being kept natural for the sake of hunting, um, you
0: eliminate that, and all of those, all of those hunting areas, the locals are going to,
2: as as they rightly should, right? If if they're not making money from the land this way, then they're going to make the money from the land this way, or they're going to they're going to survive whether it's making money or not. And it's just wrong. Like the facts are just wrong, and that's the part that that really,
1: really. Well, it's the linkage, right? It's the linkage of me. this idea of the very small amount of imports having an effect on this grander hypothesis of biodiversity declining, and specifically, I
0: guess, what they're trying to wrap in there is this idea that. Um, Elephants are endangered, and yes, they are. In certain countries, they absolutely are. And it's it's tying those
1: two things together, is that the import is tied to that decline, which is absolutely untrue, number one. And number two, the number of elephants that are hunted are so minuscule in comparison to those that are poached that... Again, it's all backwards. Why should you shouldn't be worrying about the permitting system for imports, exports and re-exports. You should be trying to figure out how the Canadian government could be pumping money into Africa
0: to conserve habitat and to decrease poaching. If you want an effect on elephants and biodiversity, that's where you should be focusing your efforts. Right? Or
2: yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree 100%. It's the, it's the exact same argument with every animal rights group that comes at us is my, my, my argument is I love your passion. I love the animals and nature as much as you do, but you're not doing them any good. You, you're, you're, you're fighting a battle that not only are you not helping the biodiversity, if you just eliminated hunting in those countries, the biodiversity would be a lot worse. It would get worse quickly. 100%. Um, so you're not, you're not only not helping, you're hurting drastically with what you're doing. Um, and you're just letting the emotions of the fact that you don't like the act of
1: hunting dictate your, your legislation. No, and I think that, you know, we, we're talking about Africa, but as you said, it. It pertains to America too, right? The American hunting model, North American conservation model. Without hunters
0: involved, there's going to be a lot of habitat converted, which means a lot less wildlife. Same situation. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. There's a lot of hunters taking land and, and you know
2: rewilding it from... What used to be agriculture, or even what used to be what used to be domestic mm-hmm. areas um now i uh just keep talking, i guess I don't know i mean I, I just like I said, I want to get them all at a round table, and I'll moderate <laughs> it, and I'll have a stick and uh it I just at least like, that's something that really, really bugs me. And I, people have heard me on this roundup for however many times we've had this conversation say, I just don't understand why you can't look at the facts and you don't have to support hunting, right? Like everyone can look at every social media comment we've ever made when we've been attacked. We are not trying to convert people to be hunters. Exactly. Our main focus on this conservation argument is you don't even have to support hunting. You don't even have to acknowledge the benefit of hunting. Just stop trying to take away take away the thing that is doing the most good right now and that's hundred dollars. My dogs just ran up the stairs. I apologize. It was really loud. But that's that's the (laughs) argument that we make over and over again. And at, at least we at least we see it see it happening every once in a while.
1: Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. Well, let's uh, let's wrap the round up. That's about it for this week. Um, not much else happening in the news, and um, you've got dog troubles. I am looking at a dog that is chewing. Mine, mine decided they're going to wrestle right here underneath
2: my feet at my podcast. Yep,
1: I have a dog that is currently. Did you ever watch Blue's Clues in your house? Oh yeah, you remember 100%. Magenta? Magenta, the female. No, yep. Magenta is his her buddy, right? Well, I'm watching my dog currently eat Magenta next to me. So we both got dog problems right right, now.
0: right? Is is that gonna is that gonna make one of the uh, savages upset
2: that your dog is eating one of the is it a stuffed animal?
0: I wish people could <laughs> yeah, see your face right fluffies, now. one of fluffies they call it. Your your fluffies. All right. Well, there you go. How about
1: it? My savages have fluffies. Correct. Yep. You'll learn something new every day at the roundup. It's a good good statement
2: to end the show on. (laughs) Cheers.
1: Well, that's it for today. I appreciate you listening, as always. Leave a review, share it with your friends,
0: and most importantly, do what's right to convey the truth around hunting.